When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh yeah. Hello, this is Benjamin Boyce, and welcome to the Boyce of Reason interview cast. Today's guest is John Sanmez, who is a speaker and author and tech, uh, I don't know if guru is the right word, but he has some courses regarding tech and personal development. And recently, he got into a spate of trouble with a Twitter mob when he engaged on behalf of somebody else who was being mobbed on Twitter. And that led to a series of incidents where he ended up losing a lot of income because that's how the mob rolls nowadays. So we talk about that incident and about how the social justice, capital S, capital J, warrior, capital W, and A-R-R-I-O-R, because they are very fervent nowadays, that mindset has infected the tech industry, um, as well as other industries. And then we move from that to his personal experiences, then we go into his bulldog mindset philosophy, and then we double back and we approach the events that happened in his life recently, and with regards to social justice more broadly, in the light of a stoic philosophical disposition. I do think you guys are going to enjoy this. This is a little bit longer than normal, but we just get in deep and end up talking a little bit more than I expected about a man with a magic glove. So that said, here's John Sanmez. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about my what specifically happened to me, but I think there's overall a, a generally bigger uh, phenomenon that's going on in the in the tech industry, where really social justice warriors have really taken over the the tech industry, and uh, it, it's gotten to kind of a, a scary boiling point where uh, you know people are afraid to say anything, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it's gotten pretty bad. It's really interesting because these tactics. Um, are the same, uh, no matter mm. what community they enter into. Small businesses, uh, communities, uh, colleges, um, anything is really, any group of humans is really susceptible to what we're calling the social justice warrior, I, I guess, mindset or ideology. Uh, so, and and it, I, I wonder if it has the same effect of shutting down discourse, but also bringing the actual work of, is it education or coding or any business to the same place of there's a very narrow uh, group of people who control all discourse and therefore get to make all the actual decisions uh, beyond just the community policing. Yeah. I mean, in, in what's, what's especially troubling in, in tech is that what happens is a lot of these, these people, they have, there's no negative implications for them. So, you know, the people that are controlling the discourse and, and what ends up happening is that for everyone else, there there is a lot of downside, right? And there's really no upside. So what ends up happening is, and what's happening right now, is that certain voices with a certain message 
are being heard and they have no there's no draw to, uh, no no basically i'd say a drawback to them doing what they're doing uh, you know they they benefit actually from it and you know the 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 mass of of people that disagree with them uh, there there's no positive uh, you know there's nothing that can be uh, that can they can gain from doing that but um or from arguing from back from standing up to them or yeah. arguing back yeah exactly so there's so there's very few people speaking up and they're you know rightly thinking okay well you know it do, it doesn't make sense to to risk myself out there uh which is basically just emboldening and strengthening uh this this one position because there's you know the huge negative ramifications as as I experienced with with my whole uh situation recently and uh and and yeah it's it's pretty frightening right now so what happened to you recently you want to give the overview of that yeah, so so basically, you know, I, I run a company called Simple Programmer, and in the tech industry as software development, I've been running that blog for about ten years, and I built up a, a pretty good reputation in, this, in the software development industry, having a couple of best-selling books and uh, doing a lot of training for a company called Plural Site and and selling courses on my site. And what ended up happening was I hadn't signed into my Twitter account for quite some time. I I tend to ignore. Twitter and uh, you know social justice warrior Haven is is typically on Twitter, so I, I just don't want to want to mess with that. But a friend of mine had messaged me on Facebook and he said, "Hey, there's uh, a mutual friend of ours, Amy, who is being attacked by this mob of social justice warriors, the same mob that had attacked and basically tried to cancel other people and had attacked her in the past, and you know and it's it's pretty bad." So. You know, I, I took a look on Twitter to see what was going on to, to see. And, and this was pers- a person that had been on one of my podcasts. You know, she's a, a really good developer, just a really good person. And I, I looked and see what was happening. And, and basically, she said to the effect of, you know, I'm glad that I didn't become a developer in 2019 because a lot of the, of, of the people that are promoting diversity and inclusion seem to be really angry and, uh, and, and using a lot of profanity and that would scare me away. You know, basically something to that effect. Uh, that's not the exact quote. But um, anyway, so what ended up happening was she started getting uh, a huge amount of blowback from that pretty simple statement. And, you know, it was basically the the whole mob uh, of cancel culture, uh, you know, attacking her. Right. People were threatening her job saying, oh, you know, what would it would be a shame if something happened to your job and, uh, you know, threatening to call her employers and and just, uh, you know, taking raking her over the, the coals for this really simple statement that she said. And, and that uh, statement wasn't aimed at any identity, any protected vulnerable vulnerable group it was about a certain sort of behavior exactly exactly yes huh. yes i mean and, and considering that you know she she's actually pretty outspoken as far as inclusion and diversity i mean she's a woman in tech programmer and she's helped a lot of a lot of women to to get uh, started as developers uh, but she didn't like the you know the, the kind of culture that was adopting that's being adopted like you know again when i saw your interviews on or your videos on Ever, uh, Evergreen it is a similar type of thing where where it's angry people shouting and and refusing to hear any other viewpoints and and that's what she was against right uh, so 
anyways, she got a lot of a lot of hate for that, and and so I thought, well, I don't have much to lose. I'm I'm independent. <laughs> I've got my own company, right? You know, I'm I'm an author, right? There's I don't work for anyone. No one can fire me. So I decided to jump in there, and my plan was to basically defray the attacks and and move them onto me, right? To be inflammatory, hmm. to start attacking all these people that were bullying and attacking her, thinking that I can I could turn the fire to myself, and then they would forget about her. And what are they really going to do to me? I mean, I don't care what someone says to me on Twitter, and they can't call my employer. Well, it worked, and I was wrong. <laughs> so I didn't realize <laughs> oh, no. how how powerful the the whole cancel culture was. So. Uh, you know, I, I, I said a lot of a lot of I will I'll admit I said some nasty things to pretty much anyone that was attacking her, trying to get them to attack me. So I didn't say, you know, I wasn't very civil myself. Uh, so I will fully admit being an asshole. But um, but I was definitely attacking people that were attacking her. And, you know, one of the things that really uh, got the uh, the mob wild with the uh, with with craze to, to destroy me was so. And a, and a bunch of the tweets are deleted that they had posted, but someone had told me to shut my mouth, and and then uh, and then this woman, this black woman, happened to say something about, oh yeah, someone had told me that I should just you know be quiet and be happy where I am, uh, and uh, and not make trouble or, or something like that. And I replied back and I said, yes, you should, uh, you should shut your mouth, and we should all be happy where we are, and we should not attack people, uh, you know, just just because they differ in opinion. Right. And uh, some uh, another woman had saw that and she replied back to my, my tweet and said, uh, you know, I, how, how dare you have the gall to tell a woman to shut her mouth? And uh, and I thought that's kind of interesting. Uh, why does it matter if she's a woman? Right. Like, I don't care. I'm telling everyone to shut their mouth. I'm telling everyone, you know, all kinds of stuff. So my reply back to her was shut your mouth which uh, that was like the final explosion that got retweeted uh, just <laughs> thousands of times and, and people copy and paste it. You know, they did a screenshot of black woman. I'm telling her to shut her mouth. Another woman, I'm telling her to shut her mouth. So now I'm this sexist, misogynistic uh, racist. Now I'm racist as well because it just ha so happened. This was a black woman, right? Even though, you know, all the tweets I'm telling, I'm calling guys pussies. I'm telling other people to shut their mouth, right? I'm, but you know, they point out that one thing and what ended up happening was, I mean, I got spammed hundreds and probably thousands of messages, uh, hate, uh, so many, so many emails, uh, death threats. Uh, and then mm -hmm. they started, tweeting at uh, at my publishers so Pluralsight, who had published my courses they started saying oh you know do you associate with this sexist racist guy and uh, and manning who published my books and you know pretty much anyone they could go after and then all of a sudden mm -hmm. uh, people were you know pretty high uh, in in tech and and had you know, I considered a lot of them friends started disavowing me, right? Because people were tweeting to say, oh, if you don't disavow John, then you must be sexist and racist as well. So they're, you know, crumbling and disavowing me. And then, uh, you know, pretty soon what had happened was Pluralsight called me and basically made a unilateral decision to remove all my courses from their platform and to disassociate with them, me and then make a public statement about, you know, about me, you know, not not agreeing or not or being in violation of their code of conduct or their guideline, which I asked them to, which I said, I said, can you point out specifically what 
thing I did or what one tweet that I said that that you found to be sexist or racist or right, which they couldn't, right? They you know, they said, Oh, it's just it's the character of, of your tweets, not a specific one. I said, Well, just give me one specific one, right? Um, mm-hmm. you know, same thing happened with my book publisher Manning, and they decide to pull the book and then make a public announcement of it, which of course made things worse for me because now all these people felt vindicated. And uh, and yeah, so that's that's basically what happened. It, I mean, it ended up costing me probably uh, probably a couple hundred thousand dollars in mm. damages from the the in the royalties I would have received from the the products. But um, but yeah. Hmm. So you that's really interesting. You, you kind of you went after the Hydra. Like mm, instead yeah. of trying to defer it, you, you played the tank role if this was an RPG. Uh, but it was like a mega boss that, that really came down on you. Are, what are your steps now to, uh, I mean, figure out your situation and, and shore yourself up and, and I guess start anew or. Yeah. I mean, so like all in all, it, it's kind of interesting what's happened from it. Right. So on Twitter, I actually ended up gaining a lot of followers which was interesting. I mean, I lost some, it probably netted even, but I ended mm-hmm. up gaining some. And, and what I did was, well, so with the Pluralsight courses, Pluralsight was removing some of my courses already. So, I mean, there's definitely some big financial damages. Definitely. At least it's going to cost me a couple hundred thousand dollars. I would say over the next five years from, mm-hmm. from money I would have made from those courses, uh, with the book, the publisher, actually the, the rights revert back to me. And so I'm going to self-publish the book now, which will actually turn out to be a net benefit because I'll make more money from that and I'll have a story, which which will be good. I, I've got a mailing list of about 90,000 software developers with my simple programmer company. And so it's given me some free publicity. Of course, you know, mm-hmm. with that has come a lot of people that uh, have sent me a lot of hate mail and, and, uh, and whatnot. But also, there's been a huge amount of support, right? Because w- what's happened and what's interesting about this whole situation is that a majority of people support me and what I did. I made a YouTube video about this, and it was one of my most upvoted YouTube videos uh, that, that I've ever had. But most of the support is in private, right? So mm-hmm. I've gotten a lot of DMs, a lot of messages on Facebook, a lot of emails from people, a lot of anonymous emails saying, you know, I support you and, you know, you're fighting the good fight and, and this is ridiculous. But, uh, you know, I've got, a, I've got a family and I've got, uh, I've got a job and I, I just I can't, I can't support you publicly, which is, you know, which is a shame. So, I mean, ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not going to – it doesn't have the effect that they wanted to have right i'm not bowing to them i'm not apologizing i'm not crushed uh they did some damage to me but uh, i'm i'm going to continue on it's it's good having my own companies and and you know that you can only do so much damage but uh i, I think it's more reputational right it, it's like there's an appearance that they've done more damage than they have and uh, in in reality most developers do not support this stand this viewpoint it's just that this is the loudest voice and this is the the voice that you can't oppose because if you do there's uh, dire consequences and and really a lot of the people that were involved in in making this whole thing happen uh one of them uh, you know she her hashtag is cause a scene she she basically does this uh as almost a profession like she 
stirs up the pot and gets people canceled. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what she's proud of doing. And, and on her actual Twitter account, she has blatantly racist statements against white people. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, so, yeah. And it actually, w- one of the one of the things that happened after this, which is really uh, concerning, is, you know, I mean, I can understand people thinking I'm an asshole and I said some mean things on Twitter. Okay, granted, I don't think you should destroy someone's life, especially when they're defending someone else. But, you know, someone could take that point and say, well, it doesn't matter. You know, you said what you said and you're getting what you get for it. I can, I can understand that viewpoint. But a friend of mine, uh, Charles, uh, who basically they came after because they said, hey, you do a podcast with this guy like this guy's a friend of yours. If you don't disavow him, then you are accepting mm-hmm. what he's done. And, and you Collateral are, you cancellation. Know. Exactly. Yeah. So, so they basically said you, you have to stop being friends with him. <laughs> and uh, and he, he made a video and he said, you know, I don't agree with John. John wouldn't, doesn't handle things the way I would handle them. I don't agree with things that John has said. But he's, I'm not going to let someone tell me who I can and cannot be friends with. That's between me and John, right? And then he said in the video also that he would like to – he has a podcast network. He said, well, why don't we get the people involved in this? Why don't we just have an open discussion and just have some civil dialogue around this? And he, he made the mistake of saying civil dialogue, right? Which is, I guess, tone policing, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, which I had never even heard of the term. Only I, when it's only when it's directed against them, right? Exactly. So it's, I thought it's always great. unilateral. I, I I thought I literally when I saw the term tone policing, I was like, "Are you serious? This is a thing. This is actually like, you know, a thing." So what ended up happening was they came after him and started canceling him, and they got his podcast like podcast episodes canceled that he was supposed to interview at uh, do at big companies at big conferences they actually got him banned from the linux foundation so there's a conference called okay. uh, kubicon and this this made some some pretty big news uh you know even some big uh names in the software development industry actually uncle bob martin wrote a open letter to the linux foundation you know being because he was very concerned about this happening the, that he would be canceled uh simply for you know for for not disavowing me right and then there was also one thing that they had posted as well when they tried to get him canceled from the linux foundation uh, from banned from all their events and, and banned from this conference was uh, and he's not a speaker he's just an attendee this is <laughs> this is how, how crazy it is uh, they posted a picture of him on in a maga hat in front of trump tower which he had, you know, which is also pretty concerning, considering that you know you would ban someone from a uh, from an open source conference hmm. based on, mm-hmm. on that, right? You know, so it's it's kind of a question, like like what, and they won't even say what he did, right? So he, you know, he's asked multiple people have asked, you know, what exactly, how did he violate the code of conduct? What what exact thing did he do? And you know, the the unspoken message is that it's tone policing by asking for a civil dialogue. And the, you know, but what, what seems to be inferred is that it's the MAGA hat. So I don't know, I don't know exactly what it is. Maybe it's a combination of the two things, but, um, but yeah, he's been being attacked now and they're trying to cancel his shows. They're trying to basically cancel him, uh, just as, like I said, like you said, collateral, uh, collateral cancel culture. So, okay. This seems like I've seen this pattern happen over and over again. Um, mm-hmm. and it seems to come down to that. There's this activist class 
mm-hmm. who inserts itself into a community um, and then waits for the right time to just cause a cascade of totalitarian rule over, right. you know, they accuse you guys of tone policing, but they are thought policing at the same time. Uh, there's right. a lot of hypocrisy there. There's also a, a majority of people who don't want to go along with this, but can't afford or can't do the calculation to stop it. But if more than a certain number of people stood up and say, no, that's not how we do things, then that activist class wouldn't have the traction that they do. Um, how do you think that we can empower the, the mild people uh, or the moderate people to you know, see that they have to stand up or else it's going to come for them? It's going to start that activist class is going to encroach more and more and more. Until they say, not only did you defend a guy, but you did not denounce this man. Um, right. Therefore, we're going to cancel you. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Or I mean, it's tough. It, it's like it, it's sort of like asking, you know, how do you prevent someone who wants to kill a lot of people from going into Disney World and and doing that? Right. It's it's almost like there there's. If they're willing to pay whatever price they're willing to pay, there, there's not a lot that you can do to prevent that because it's it's a mm-hmm. one-sided risk reward, right? So, and, and it's even mm-hmm. worse in, in this case. It's it's almost like I guess you know the first analogy is not so good, but but let's say that someone walks into you know a crowded area with a gun, right? It's like how do you convince people that they need to risk their lives to stop the the shooter, right? It, it's like, you're probably just going to let the shooter do whatever they want to do, right? You're, you're probably not going to, because the, the risk versus the reward is, is very, mm. very low, uh, you know, ratio for you. And so I, I think that's, you know, that, that's the problem. What I've done is I have, you know, I sent an email to my list. I mean, I made the YouTube video. I sent an email to my list blasting, uh, them and and telling uh, people, you know, hey, this is what Pluralsight did. Uh, you know, let's make the, this company feel feel the pain. And so they sent, you know, a lot of people from my list sent emails to Pluralsight to their support, saying that they cower to the mob and and uh, exp- and canceling their subscriptions. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how effective that is overall because the other problem, and especially I think the reason why they do this on Twitter is that with Twitter, I don't have control over who I can reach. Right. So it's it's a really good platform for social justice warriors and this one sided unilateral communication and, and this, uh, you know, pushing an ideology, because if you have, you know, if I if I send a tweet out. Right. And and it is something that, quote, proves I'm ra- racist or sexist. Right. Then all these people can retweet that and get a huge reach on that. Right. But yeah, they can frame your. Yeah. Yeah, but I can't respond to that publicly, right? I, I can't. I can't now speak to those same people. I can only respond to that particular tweet and and whoever it's reached. But if I make another tweet saying something else, I can't. I can't reach that same group of people. So I I don't get a chance to actually defend myself or to to spread spread the message, right? So, you know, mm. the, the best I I can say is that, you know, the people that are in positions of influence and power have to be the ones that really vocalize and stand up and don't don't apologize and don't you know uh, don't cower to the to the mob but those are the people that have the most to lose right so in my circumstance in my situation right you know one one example i i told uh, pluralsight uh, and and some of the other companies that 
had participated in, in canceling me is I said, look, uh, I could have just said my Twitter account got hacked, right? I like if I, if this was just a, a small oversight and something that, you know, I could have just said that, or I could have just said, oh yeah, you know, whatever. I was angry. I was on my medication or off med- my medication, but I'm owning this. I didn't delete any tweets. I'm owning this because this is, you know, this is not right. And, uh, you know, and, and that, that comes out at, at a pretty high cost. Whereas, a lot of people that have been caught in the storm, especially in the tech industry, you know, it's hard for me to judge them because what will happen if you don't apologize? What will happen if you continue to speak out is that they'll come for your job. They'll come for, you know, everything that they can they can do kind of damage to you. And there's not much, you know, benefit in you in you speaking out except for that you're doing the right thing. And that, I think that's Again, that that's the reason why this works is because they've got nothing to lose, you've got everything to lose, you know. So, so why would you you fight them uh, aside uh, just on principle? And you know, I'm fighting on principle. Uh, I've had enough, but it's hard to get other people to do the same. Is there um, is in the Linux um, uh, culture? There's mm-hmm. like this open source uh, ethic. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there could be an ethic about uh, open mind, uh, like an open mind ethic, or or, or some sort of uh, appended uh, set of uh, behaviors or behavioral norms that could stymie uh, this sort of totalitarian capturing of the institutions of power, like a gentleman's I, it, agreement or gentle them's agreement? Yeah. <laughs> It, it would it would seem like that'd be the case. I mean, that's what's so ironic about it about open source. You know, open source is sort of you would think would be the bastion of free thought, uh, because uh, you know, just because of what it is. Yet, the open source community seems to have adopted these codes of conduct, which are you know, codes of conduct are are the are probably the worst things that that we've seen in, in the tech industry because they can be applied. Uh, you know, so. And, uh, and, and they're used to actually how? discriminate against people. So subjectively, right? Or okay. uh, not, not, sub- I mean, objectively, objectively, they can, you know, someone can just decide, you know, that someone's in violation of the code of conduct there. It's very loosely interpreted. So, hmm. so it, yeah, it's kind of interesting that that's happened. Right. Uh, and I think part of it is, is because there's this Trojan horse here of exactly what you're saying. Right. So you're suggesting that, there should be some agreement that we should have a freedom of thought and the Trojan horse is sneaking in diversity into that, right? Is because that what they say is they say, well, yeah, you're right. We should have freedom of thought. In fact, we should have equal opportunity. We shouldn't discriminate. This should be a meritocracy. And then the in comes that Trojan horse of diversity and inclusion. Uh, but inside there is actually the opposite of, of all those things, because it is not actually a meritocracy anymore. Right. It, it becomes the opposite of that. And into, you know, and, and there's all kinds of uh, vocabulary that's perfect, that's inserted strategically in order to redefine terms and to, to make it so that uh, you can't argue with it. And, and, and I think a, the big problem is, is that we're not arguing in logical terms, right? It's if you are an opponent in a debate and they say, you know, if they throw out the idea of logic, you have nothing to debate, 
and that's that's kind of the situation we're in right now, right? I, I think hmm. a lot of people need to read uh, John Stuart Mill's on liberty, and <laughs> because it, it's it's scary, uh, you know, where where we've gotten. So, when did these codes of conduct uh, begin to be implemented in in the open source community? Gosh, I'd say you know, I've been sort of had my head in and out of the software development because I started a new company called Bulldog Mindset where I'm teaching personal development for men. Uh, it's kind of mm -hmm. crazy because it's the exact opposite, right? It's like if they saw that, that you know, and some people did. There, it's like it's a totally different audience, right? There's none of this in that audience. Uh, but um, mm -hmm. so I would say that, like you know, I've been kind of out of it for the past four or five years, but that's when it was really starting. Right. I, I, yeah. I saw I started to see code of conducts showing up. I remember there was this incident with some kind of pie conference. Uh, I don't know if they called it pie gate or something. This is, I think, pre the Gamergate thing. And some guy was at a conference and he made a joke about a dongle. Right. Which is like a hardware thing. He's like, oh. Do you want to see my dongle or something like that? Or, you know, and some woman was sitting near him at the conference and overheard his joke and she made a very big deal about it. And that, I think that was the thing that started the code of conducts, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because she, he ended up losing his job and getting fired for, for this joke. And okay. I think she actually ended up losing her job and getting fired for, for making a big deal about it. But, uh, but I believe uh -huh. that's where, where this, kind of started i think then conferences started saying well you know we're going to have code of conducts to prevent and i think it was probably a good idea to start right like they were just trying to prevent the kind of crass behavior and sexual harassment yeah and things clean like up the that toxicity exactly but but then you have someone come in and again under that that trojan horse of saying oh well hey i can even make it more diverse for you i can help you even more and start uh changing the language and the vocabulary and that seems to be the big tactic is is you know the book like even just the idea like we were just talking about tone policing right i reject the idea of tone policing like, like i don't even accept that as vocabulary I, I see no problem with it it it's it's something it's an invented term just like you know I think tone policing is an extreme example, or it's not as extreme of an example of of it. But you know, if someone cannot speak in a civil way, I think it does invalidate their argument. I think I think we don't we can't have a discussion. We can't because in, you don't know whether intimidation is being used in, in that case, right? If you can't articulate your arguments in a civil way, then yeah, you're you really don't have a place in the discussion. Uh, but you know they they try to make that accepted so that tone policing is a bad thing right is 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 uh is something that you can't do and uh, i mean a good example of this you know take the word mansplaining right mm -hmm. you know the, again invented word right yeah both of those words invented words that i would reject that word right out i would say there's no such thing as mansplaining right but in order for me to say that what ends up, you know, if someone accuses me of mansplaining, I have to say, no, I'm not mansplaining. That's ridiculous. I'm just trying to, you know, whatever, communicate this point. I'm just giving my opinion. But by me saying that, I acknowledge the vocabulary word mansplaining. And so I'm premise there is such a thing as mansplaining and this this ridiculous concept you know i, I can make up a, a word mm. say you're doing it and then if you argue against it now you've acknowledged my new word that i've created and that's yeah. kind of the tactic same with white like, fragility you have yeah. exactly right yeah or redefining the word racism right to to mm -hmm. have power in the definition instead of just being discriminating against someone based on the color of their skin that's racism right like you know so um all of these things have been 
have been created and and this vocabulary has been created and these terms uh, vocabulary has been overloaded and the definitions have been changed so that it, it's it makes it it's pushing a narrative and an ideology because whoever controls the words uh, controls the meaning and controls the ideas and this is something that you know and and i think part of the reason why we can't fight this very well is because the people that are pushing these things you know it they they have a strategic plan they're doing this on purpose right there's it's not like everyone is a useful idiot they're using a lot of useful idiots in order to uh, promote this ideology but there are key players that know the psychology behind their what they're doing that know exactly what they're doing and they are getting their useful idiots to to spread and push this and it's it, it's such a, a covert attack that it it's almost like you know unless you're really uh embroiled in this battle and, and seeing this you you don't see the patterns right it, it's like mm-hmm. you know from from looking at this from from the the different angles and, and seeing it happen in different places I can see the patterns. It, it's not a coincidence that the same vocabulary, the same tactics are being used over and over again, right? You know, just like, you know, it's like apologetics, right? It's it's like you, you say, well, you're being intolerant. And then immediately someone replies, oh, don't you know about the paradox of intolerance? And you look at that and that's that's a piece of garbage. That's not an actual <laughs> logical, you know, it, but but it's it's the automatic response right to to all of these uh, messages. Yeah. It, it's just like apologetics for any kind of bizarre cult or religion. Someone has an answer for every logical statement you make against it. And it, it's just it's just repeated. It's not original thought. OK, so you at the same time that this was starting to build up steam in the tech community, you were over in another place uh, working on personal development, which right. can be construed as you're building a morality or at least a s- set of principles. So I'm wondering, the question is, how, how are your set of principles in the bulldog um, arena uh, differ um, from the ones that you see here? And how do you think, how would you argue as those being uh, a better way to live your life or to construct a social interaction around? Yeah, 100%. So the biggest difference is the difference between the victim mindset and, and what I call the bulldog mindset, which I call the ops of the victim mindset, right? All of these things, <laughs> all of the, you know, here, here's an example I would give you. Let, let, let's suppose that I had a son, right? And let's suppose that that son was born with one leg. Okay, and he told me. He said, "Dad, I uh, I, I can't compete against the, the other the other kids in my school in, in in racing. I can't I can't run because I only have one leg. I I just I can't compete with them. They're faster than me. I would I would sit him aside and I'd say, look, son. I'd say, you you you're no different. You're no different. That's a, that's that's an excuse. There's no difference between you can run just as fast as those other kids. Now, in my mind, I know that this is not 100 percent true. I know he's going to have to work twice, maybe three times as hard. Right. But the reason why I would tell him that he's no different and that that hmm. that it doesn't make any difference. And, and he's just as good as someone with two legs is because telling him that he's disadvantaged does not help him. The, the the proper message that's going to benefit him the most in life is to say it doesn't matter you 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 know you, you're just as good and 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 live your life that way because he's going to live a more successful life yes i know his life will be harder yes i know it will be more difficult mm-hmm. for him but that's the mindset that's the opposite hmm. of the victim mindset whereas the victim mindset says hey look 
what's what's happened to me? How have I been oppressed? How am I disadvantaged? How am I, you know, handicapped in some way? How are other people doing things to me or my environment or circumstances? And and how's that affecting me? Whereas you know, to reject the bulldog mindset is to take 100% responsibility or the victim mindset is to take 100% responsibility for your life and to say, you know what, mm-hmm. whatever happens, it, you know, I, I'm a big believer in stoic philosophy, which, you know, basically says, hey, you know, whatever happens, whatever happens as, as far as fate goes, it doesn't matter because I can deal with the situation I'm in. I've got the the hand I've, I'm dealt and I'm going to play it the best as I possibly can and my life, you know, with with the goal of improving myself and and knowing that I've I fought the battle as as best as I could in this life, and and, and that's the fundamental difference, right? Uh, all mm-hmm. these people that are complaining and whining and trying to you know force diversity mm-hmm. uh, and, and trying to show how they've been you know mistreated or or oppressed, uh, you know, some of that may be true. I, I'm not disagreeing that there isn't you know historically for sure. You know, today I think we live in in the best time. For, for any kind of marginalized people today uh, in society. So, mm-hmm. so some of it still may be true, but that mindset and focusing on that and the anger involved with it, because anger doesn't solve anything. Anger is probably one of the worst emotions that you can have. It, it allows people to take control of you, to have control and, mm-hmm. and to manipulate you. Uh, anger, anger serves no purpose. Anger comes from from expectations that are unmet and you know it requires you to have expectations which is is a a bad way to live your life in my opinion but Hmm. all of that is is not helpful to these people and and the people that are promoting it that are promoting the diversity inclusion under, under this guise what they're doing is they're teaching people learned helplessness the victim mindset to 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 say that it's not their fault you're just a, a victim of circumstance, which is the most destructive ideology that you could possibly impart onto an individual, right? I'd rather, you know, tell someone, like I said, an example of if I had a son that had one leg, I would tell him he's just the same as everyone else because that's the mindset that is going well, to lead to Well, isn't that a lie, though? I mean, aren't you founding it on a lie? I mean, isn't there an expectation in there that he has to uh, surmount uh, that disparity that he that he has? And and if he can't recognize that, yeah, there is like a fifty percent, uh, you know, he's fifty percent less legged than everybody else. That that is inherently uh, disadvantaged. Like I, I don't understand why you have to build a lie into saying, well, no, that's that's a deficit that it's your challenge to to rise above. Yeah, I mean, good question. So the reality is that he has one leg. The interpretation is that he's disadvantaged. Now, okay. granted, it, it probably is somewhat of a disadvantage. But again, th- this is the problem with, with all of this thinking, especially you, you have these issues of equal pay and, you know, women being paid less and or, or there's not as much opportunity or, or people of color being paid less and, and all these things. And maybe, if you, you know, and white privilege and all of these things are, are based on the idea that success is how much money you make. Mm-hmm. Or success is winning the race. Success isn't that. Success is living to your maximum potential. It, hmm. it, success is about fulfillment. It's about what you achieve and accomplish in regards to yourself, not about competing with other people. And and that's you know this is one of the mm-hmm. big problems with this whole whole thing is this message. It's the wrong message. It's telling it's telling people that success is how they compare to other people, <laughs> which is is 
completely wrong metric uh, to apply, right? You, you can't compare the success of someone who was born into, you know, uh, a, a wealthy family and and became uh, a billionaire to to someone who was born in a poor uh, family in the Philippines and and became the best that they could possibly be. You, you, th those those you know, if you're comparing people based on those those metrics, it, it's ridiculous, and and it's going to lead to people being unhappy, mm -hmm. and and more than being unhappy, being unfulfilled in their lives, and and that's that's the real problem that I have. And so, yeah, I mean, you can interpret as as me telling, if I had a son with one leg, you know, telling him that he's just as good as a lie, but I don't think so. I I, I consider it to be the truth because hmm. he is just as good there there's no he is not disadvantaged no one knows what a disadvantage is also right uh, you know there's so many people that have faced adversities they've become strong because of those adversities i would never all, all the bad things that have happened to me in my life i wouldn't i wouldn't take them back i don't feel like they've weakened me i feel like they've made me stronger i feel like i'm a better person and i'm i'm more successful uh because of hmm. those things and so now, you know, so, some people have adversities and it, and it does harm them and it does hold them back. But we can't judge as as individuals. We can't judge someone else's experience. We can't say, oh, oh, you were born into uh, with a silver spoon in your mouth into a family of millionaires. Good. That's good. You, you're advantage. Not necessarily. I, I, I do coaching, uh, private coaching. And one of my coaching clients was a trust fund uh, kid. And mm -hmm. man, I would not trade his life. I would living in the shadow. He he can't like his biggest struggle in life is that there's he has no purpose he has nothing that he can achieve that he can do he has to really really dig to hmm. uh, to to make uh, to feel any kind of self worth because he's just been given all this stuff so so hmm. you know so it comes down to to you know this fundamental uh, conception that I, I think that the people that are are espousing this ideology here of of the, of the victim mindset what they're doing is they're basically you know what it, what it really equates to is they're judging themselves and telling other people to judge themselves by their circumstances and in relation to other people. Whereas my message, uh, what I would call the bulldog mindset, is to say, no, you take 100% responsibility for your life, and your mm -hmm. value has nothing to do with how many medals you've won. It has nothing to do with how much money you make. It has everything to do with what were you given and how did you maximize your own potential? How did you develop yourself? How did you develop your character? You know, how did you become, did you live up to the potential that you had? And that's the fundamental difference. You said earlier that angry, anger doesn't help or it's uh, some sort of uh, block. Have you not been angry during this whole situation? And what have you done to not be angry or to deal with that or to use that fruitfully? It, it's, it, it's funny. I mean, I know in saying this, it's it's hard to believe, but I haven't been angry, and it's part. A lot of it is because I've been practicing Stoic philosophy for for a very long time. Hmm. Uh, you know, I've got a whole whole life journey behind this. But what I can say about it is that I don't have expectations. I don't have expectations on people. I don't allow people to have expectations on me. This was a fundamental life shift that I made a few years back and it fundamentally changed the way that I interact with the world and my emotional well-being, right? I very very rarely have negative emotions. It doesn't mean that I'm happy all the time, but what it means is that I don't really get angry at people. I don't really get jealous. I don't really get very depressed. I don't have 
a lot of these these negative emotions that I used to have all the time because I literally will let anyone do whatever they're going to do that's fine, right? Now, it doesn't mean it, – it's not the same thing as being complacent. You can still fight yeah. a battle. The, the example I use, have you seen Avengers uh, Endgame? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Thanos is is a pro is a is a great example, right? The dude is pretty masculine character, probably the toughest character in in the whole series, right? And he's designed to be that. He does not get angry. He's not. He's able to fight a war. He's able to battle, and to you know, he's like destroying half of the universe, right? You know, not not to not that what he's doing is necessarily. I'm not siding with Thanos. I'm not you know agreeing with with wiping out half <laughs> of the universe, but at the same time. Huh. He believes what he's doing is right, and he's fighting that battle. And yeah. everyone else is angry at him, but he's not angry. So he's able to execute. And in fact, you would, I would say that he's the reason why he's so successful in what he's doing is because he's not angry. Because he's able to act without emotion and to not let that cloud his judgment. Right. Yeah, but without that emotion, he doesn't necessarily have sympathy to everything that he's destroying. I mean, there's a sociopathy that's built into this if you don't have negative emotion or if you don't have a, the ability to empathize or sympathize with other people. So the way I look at it is that there's three, three ways to deal with emotion. One of them is to suppress. The second one is to express. And the third one is to experience. And... What I focus on, at least teaching men to do, is to experience, not to suppress, not to express, right? If you suppress emotion, you become this passive-aggressive person who has this rage inside you and you're in danger of doing something like shooting up a school, right? Like you, you, you haven't dealt with the anger, right? You're, you're, just, you're trying to pretend like it doesn't exist, but it exists. If you're expressing, right, you're the person who walks around with your heart on your sleeve, right? You're the typical nice guy, right? Uh, when I'm coaching guys, I'm telling them the reason why they're having trouble with with women a lot of times is because they're the, they're they're wearing their heart on their sleeve. They're too emotional. They're laying emotion. Mass- you know, you're the person who can't control their anger, who gets angry at at every little thing and, and shows it, expresses it. But the person who experiences is in between. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Why? Uh, this is a side note, so maybe I should let you finish. But the question is, why do women not find that nice guy valuable? Do you have any insight into that? But let's get to what what it is to experience emotion. Okay, okay, yeah, I'll come back to that. So, yeah, so experience is to allow the emotion to recognize it, but to observe it as a third-party observer as it's happening to you and then to let it go, right? And I strongly feel that emotions that you don't experience, they get trapped inside you and they cause all kinds of issues for you later on, right? Uh, and I know this from personal experience of of dealing with fear, right? I was afraid to fly airplanes and to go on roller coasters, all kinds. I had a lot of fear. And it was the problem was I wasn't experiencing it. And once I allowed myself to experience the fear, then I actually overcame the fear and and I was able to, to become a, a lot more of myself, of, of the person that um, – that that I that I truly am versus the person that was controlled by that fear. So hmm. I guess what what I'm saying about all this in dealing with with emotion is that it's not about being numb and not having emotion. It's about at, at least as a man the the masculine is about controlling that emotion, about managing that emotion about having hmm. emotional mastery to to experience life hmm. in all its colors, right? Hmm. But to not hold on to it, to not allow it to influence your actions. Because 
you know, when you when you think about maybe even a character like Thanos, you know, there I think there's there's a scene where he sacrifices his daughter, right? Obviously, he's feeling some emotion there, right? He's he does have a degree of empathy there for sure, but he's taking the action anyway because he's not allowing that emotion to de- to determine the the ultimate outcome of his action. It's lo- he's he's analytically and logically based. He's like, if I need to get to this goal, I'm going to have to make this sacrifice, and he's made that sacrifice. And it, did it probably hurt him as a character? Of, I would say, of course it did, but. He's he's made that that choice, and and so it's the same thing, you know, with anger. Uh, you know, how do I ever experience anger? Yeah, uh, of course, but it's such a small moment of of anger. You know, a good example I would give you is I used to get really angry. I used to get a lot of road rage about that, right? And then what I started to realize as, as I started to kind of come into the Stoke philosophy was that I have no control over this. This is kind of silly, like. To be angry at something that, like, I have this expectation that the traffic should flow smoothly, but the world does not revolve around my expectations. And so what I started to do was I'd get stuck in traffic, and I'd get angry, and then I'd kind of look at myself and from a third party and say, John, you're angry. This is silly. You're such an idiot. Why are you angry about the situation you can't control? Who are you angry at, even, right? And then I would laugh, mm-hmm. right? And and what would happen is I would be able to let go of that anger because I've ex- I've experienced it. I've acknowledged it. I'm not suppressing and not hiding it. Right. And mm-hmm. then I let go of it. And now what happens is, is when I I sort of program myself. So now when I get into traffic, I don't even get angry at all because I don't even have the expectation anymore. Right. And so okay. so yeah. I think okay. there's there's kind of two issues. One of them is like is like dealing with emotions that you that you have. And then another one is getting rid of the negative emotions because you don't even have the pattern that creates that response anymore, right? And that's where a lot of where I'm coming from is I've eliminated a lot of that pattern. I don't have a lot of expectations. I've sort of decided that I'm going to live my life however I live my life. And whatever happens, whatever consequences come from that, I'm willing to accept them. And so when stuff like this happens, I'm, I'm going to fight, but I'm not, I, I don't necessarily mm. get angry. Mm-hmm. But how do you know, how are you ensured that you're not being, you're not going to end up being a sociopath? I mean, you, you brought up the, Thanos is a good test case for being a stoic leader, but at the yeah. same time, he's highlighting uh, the very, the very nature of Thanos in that story is to be the ultimate bad guy. So how do you, how, what, what feedback loops do you have that you're not heading down the path of like ultimate evil or just semi evil or becoming um uh, somebody who doesn't really care about other people, like a CEO of a, you know, a fossil fuel company is just trying to maximize profit, humanity be damned. It, it, it's always, I don't, I don't really like the term sociopath. I feel like we're all capable of being sociopaths. I feel like it's mm-hmm. not an, an accurate term because again, it, it's a label that in my mind doesn't make sense because it all comes down to prioritization of values. Right. Mm -hmm. And most people, the reason why they don't act on their, quote, evil impulses has to do with the consequences of their actions. It's not actual virtue. Right. Uh, You know, if if you in fact, there was a movie I I, I don't remember. I don't think I watched the movie, but I remember hearing this movie uh, and the premise of the movie was that for one day or many hours, there would be no laws, right? Um, I, I can't remember what it was called, but it, oh, it was something uh, like the Jubilee purge, or... I think. Yeah, the purge. Yes, yes, yes. That's it. Okay, so I didn't. I didn't actually watch the movie, but I, I'm familiar with the premise of the movie, and it's kind of interesting, right? I mean, 
if there's no laws, if there's no consequences for your actions, what will you do? Uh, so really, it's kind of funny. The, the people that you would maybe call a sociopath, those are the people, only people that you can really trust to some degree because they're acting out of they're, – they're acting uh, purely from their – from the outcome that they're trying to achieve and it's clear. Whereas everyone else is pretty much acting in their own best interest but it's not clear. The motives but are not clear. that. Okay. Exactly. Right. I think that's just a problem of human nature is that we're always even even Dale Carnegie, right? How to win friends and influence people. Wh what did he say in that book? He said that the only reason why you ever do anything is because you want to. And he said, I can put a gun to your head and um, and hmm. I can I can make you want to do something, but you're still only doing it because you want to. He even said when you give to charity, the reason why you're giving to charity is not because you're good. It's because you like the feeling you get when you give to charity. So even Dale Carnegie, I mean, you know, the, hmm. the, the how to win friends and influence people, he acknowledged this, this same basic, you know, you could call it flaw in humanity, but, but that's why I don't like the, the idea of like, to, to me, someone who would be classified as a sociopath is someone who is aware of this and is able to manage this uh, within themselves and is, is seeing the reality for what it is. Uh, you know, again, there's probably different degrees of it and there's probably people that are psychopath, and uh, and bent okay. on destruction, but so it leaves. It seems that that leaves up um, uh, stopping somebody from following uh, the destruction of the human race up to not the individual who's doing that, but to everybody around them to stop them. If if somebody comes to a logical conclusion uh, and is just following that down that path, then it's everybody else's responsibility to stop that outcome from happening. It's not that person's responsibility to say, maybe I don't want this when I do want this, you know? I mean, the, what do we do about evil people, even if you they're know, admirable? Or how do you stop <laughs> from becoming an evil person? Because if everything is just being honest with yourself and controlling your emotion, what if that has a bad result? It's kind of funny. I just did a YouTube video on this because someone asked me, you know, based on a lot of my philosophies, well, how do you deal with the problem of good and evil, right? This is a, a huge philosophical problem that, philosophers have had throughout the ages and my way I, I believe that those are just labels that you apply right so the problem of good and evil you know even you know uh you know and, you know beyond good and evil right there's a there's a it's good good book on on the subject but they're they're sort of arbitrary right like is there really such a thing as evil now you know now granted there are things that you do not want to happen and you know and and again and philosophers throughout throughout history have tried to define, you know, what makes what makes something moral, right? And they've tried different approaches. Util, utilitarianism is probably the, the one that we see most often, but there's a lot of flaws in utilitarianism, right? I mean, you mm -hmm. end up having to sacrifice innocent people in order for to be the greater good, and then when you deal with the issue of of what is for the greater good, it's you know, you, how do you quantify that? And and there's there's a lot of a lot of problems with that. So. What, it, what ultimately no philosopher has ever come up with the, the definition of what makes something morally right, right? What, what it turns out to usually be is just what we feel is morally right or wrong, uh, which I think there's some, some value to that. But 
but but ultimately, there's no clear definition of, of what is what is good or bad. Ultimately, what ends up being good or bad is is what is deemed by society as as right or acceptable. I mean, if you went back to the the Mayans, right, where they were mm-hmm. sacrificing, you know, thousands of people and literally ripping out their hearts while they're alive, that mm-hmm. was a good to that society at that time. Right. I mean, okay, but you still feel the impulse to resist the social justice warriors from taking over uh, your industry. Um, So where's your moral foundation? What do you have to stand on to say this isn't right? How you're acting is not right. Right. So I I can't really use a moral argument because if I do, then I'd be hypocritical. But I can use a logical argument, Hmm. which says that for Hmm. society and for people in general, the best course of action that we could possibly take is to have a society that's based around an open dialogue where ideas uh, of, of differing, uh, differing values and differing uh, viewpoints are expressed openly without recourse uh, because that makes the most sense because that, you know, I could go to, to looking at the, the arguments that, you know, John Stuart Mills put forth and on Liberty uh, you know, he, he made some pretty good arguments uh, in regards to the idea that, you know, what society deems good at a particular time in history can change. And so, uh, you know, we don't know what the absolute good or, or bad is, right? At, at his time, you know, whatever the Catholic Church said, that was great. 90% of people agreed with that. Only 10 people, uh, you know, were, were the heretics that disagreed with that, where it's pretty much the opposite now. And And then he also made the argument to say that, how do you know if your idea is good if you haven't tested it against a bad idea, right? You have to have the other party speaking, n- not just to to validate your own idea, but you could be wrong, and you can't know that you're you're right unless you've you've tested it against uh, someone else's logic that that has the uh, you know the opposite viewpoint. So that would be my main hmm. you know, the main way that I, I would say this uh, that, on a that sociological that's true. level. So right. on an individual I mean, level, you, you don't want to adopt the victim mentality because it makes you a miserable person. And that's your that it's not. a I, I don't know if that's a moral argument or not. So if you follow down this path, you're going to be miserable and you're going to be ceding more and more of your own personal power. If you follow the bulldog mindset, you might be just as miserable, but at least you'll you won't be stuck in recursive uh, misery loops. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would say that you get to decide whether or not you're miserable, right? To interpret your situations as, you know, as, as you see fit when you, when you have that, that mindset. So, so maintaining agency is, is the ultimate good then for you maintaining agency over your emotion, over your action. Okay. So my highest value in life is freedom. And my definition of freedom is your ability to exert your will upon the world. Or mm-hmm. more specifically, upon your life is is which you could argue it equates to the same thing. But the more that I'm able to exert my will upon my own life, the less that I'm in the backseat of a car that someone else is driving and that I'm driving that car. Right. So if if you have the least amount of ability to exert your will on your life, uh, you're basically in the car that is your life. You're strapped in the backseat, duct taped, and you know you're going whichever direction someone else is driving fate, you know, other people. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and again, you could, this is a a valid argument against the, against anger because anger 
uh, means that someone else can make you do or feel something or act in a certain way. It's it's mm -hmm. almost always the case, right? Uh, when we're angry, we're not thinking logically. It's you know that's that's proven scientific fact, right? You know, it, a different part of our brain activates the primitive part of our brain, the lizard brain. So um, mm -hmm. so definitely we're not we do not have as much sovereignty over our lives when we're angry. So but in general, the more sovereignty we have over our lives, the the better that to me that's the highest value right mm -hmm. and it's not just other people that are oppressing us it's mostly us right because you say in your brain your will says i'd like to go to the gym tomorrow i'm going to wake up at 5 a.m and you set your alarm clock and at 5 a.m you hit the snooze button and you don't go to the gym your freedom is inhibited by your lack of discipline so your lack of developing your character is actually making it so you have less freedom and you have less sovereignty in your life. And so again, that's another big component or principle of the bulldog mindset is the idea that I'm trying to teach people how to have discipline because like Jocko mm -hmm. Willing says, discipline equals freedom. And it, and it truly does because the more discipline you have, the more that you're able to exert your own will upon your own life without any outside interference. Sure, there's outside interference, and most people blame their circumstances on that. But really, the biggest thing that's holding us back is ourselves. It's it's not other people. It's not being oppressed. It's it's none of those things. What happens in uh, when you need to bind your will with other people's wills, like in a larger project, other than just uh, making yourself better, or in organizations, or in communities? Like how how do you? Um, conceive of a framework to, uh, you know, adjust your will to the wills around you in order for a certain outcome to happen. Yeah. So there's been a lot of uh, sociological experiments with this exact thing, right? Uh, if you're familiar with tit for tat as a strategy for the, uh, what is it? The, the pris pris prisoner's dilemma, right? Mm -hmm. So th this is exactly, you know, that's how I'd answer your question is, is to say that there's a lot of, uh, you know, of, of game theory involved in this, right? It's the reason why we do things is because sometimes we have to compromise because it actually gives us the best outcome. So we calculate those things and, you know, we shouldn't do things that we don't feel like have a, a good outcome for us. We're, we're not just going to bend our will for no purpose. It, it's more like the prisoner's dilemma. It, it's this, this tit for tat is recognizing the pattern. And, and, and that's why we cooperate uh, when, when things are, the the ultimate end of, of cooperation is that we feel like we will ultimately benefit by participating in the cooperation rather than not. Ultimately benefit. Um, so when you went to defend Amy, that was not a selfless act. And insofar as no. that that action had a tremendously negative consequence in your financial, your immediate, uh, probably some mental stress, but you're over that part. Um, and you already said that you wouldn't undo that. You would still do that. Were you playing a bigger game by defending uh, this person or by drawing the wrath of the crowd on you? Were you trying to protect a, a larger sphere of, uh, I guess, agency uh, or, or a, a larger playing field? And sacrificed yourself. So there, were, there are a few things here. So I would say that my actions were not wise. So I would okay. do things differently for sure. What I did was I gave the people that I was fighting against enough rope to hang me with, right? Because of some of the things that I said and the way that I said them, I could have argued and 
made them angry and had them come after me by using civil discourse. Just by opposing their ideas, I could have had the, the mob turn on me. But I mm -hmm. used vulgar language. I attacked people personally. Those were not wise moves because even though it had the attendant effect of diverting the, the mob to me, it allowed them also to have something that they could tout around and, and say, look, this guy's sexist and racist because, hey, tweets are just, you know, 160 characters and you can take a screenshot and it doesn't mm -hmm. define a person. But, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Right. That's, yeah. the, the, <laughs> you know, as long as you've got the, the some some semblance of, of evidence. Now, I didn't go so far as to say anything specifically racist or sexist. I'm not racist or sexist. Right. I, it's kind of weird that when you're on an interview, you have to declare that as if, you know, but you do, you do today. And, and I'll, I'll say that. Uh, so, so from that regard, yeah, I didn't make, I'm not going to say everything I did was noble and I made all the right decisions. I would definitely do things differently, but why did I do what I was doing? There is, I think there's a couple of, of reasons. One of them is because I consider Amy to be a friend and a good person and I don't want to see a good person suffer and I don't feel like she should lose her job and, and suffer these negative consequences for, for speaking her mind. So I jumped in for that reason. But perhaps the bigger reason is because honestly, at that point I said, you know what? I, I, I can't sit by and let this happen. I'm, I'm sick of social justice warriors attacking people of getting away with this and no one ever saying anything, no one ever standing up to them, no one ever, you know, telling them that they're wrong. And, and this does greatly limit the agency of people, right? If, if people can't speak out and, and say what they want, you know, maybe I can, I can show an example of this. Uh, hmm. So again, did that actually matter? Probably not. Like looking back on it, did, did I actually make much of a difference? I don't know. I mean, to some, to some regard, right. I've been able to reach a lot. Like what actually turned out to be the best thing that happened which was also bad, was that my friend Chuck, who basically got involved in the witch hunt just because he wouldn't name me as a witch, uh, was was burned at the stake. That ended up actually showing so much hypocrisy because people could look at me and they could say, well, John, John's an asshole. He called these guys pussies. He said this. He told a woman to shut her mouth. OK, he deserved what he got. So he got canceled, you know, whatever. He should suffer mega financial damage and should have death threats and that they can you know someone could plausibly say that I, I would disagree and say that that that's that that's that's not a adequate punishment you know quote punishment for saying some mean things on twitter but hey someone could make that argument but as far as what happened to chuck no one can make that argument like it's it's so ridiculous it's such a hypocrisy it's so crazy that i hope that that has brought awareness and and I know that it's brought some awareness so so you know that that negative thing that happened to him is actually probably going to be a positive and you know will it be enough to actually tip the scale at at all in in, in the direction that we'd like it to go I don't know but mm -hmm. I there's a, there's just like there's a slight crack um in mm. in the the moral argument that you're putting forth, and you probably already have the 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 putty to put in there, or maybe I'm just imagining this, but it seems like what you did for Amy was selfless, or like you were um, expressing care 
for this other person that didn't necessarily have a direct mm -hmm. uh, positive feedback for you. Maybe you only did it because you felt good, but it seemed like there was a principle that was larger than just self-interest in at play there. So uh, I'm, I'm still concerned with your philosophy because I can see a sociopath or somebody who doesn't care about people to take that and not have to worry about caring about other people. I think that, that the value of caring for other people is, is, uh, it's axiomatic for me, um, but I don't yes. know if it is for you. No, I, I agree with you 100%. A lot of the reason why I did it was because I did care that this person was being attacked and hurt and destroyed. And a, and you, so it's kind of interesting because, you know, everything that I'm doing. So just to give you some background, right? So I'm I'm financially independent, right? I I've made a lot of money doing courses online. I've invested all my money into real estate. I have passive income. I quote retired about five years ago, right? And when I say retired, I mean, you don't have to work anymore. I went and lived on the beach for two months and, and got sick of it and, and, and got bored because mm -hmm. I wasn't really living a purpose in life anymore. And so, mm -hmm. so the reason why I'm saying this is because the whole argument for what I'm doing, the reason why I'm even here, the reason why I'm teaching men and personal development and teaching the bulldog mindset has everything to do with me wanting to help people has everything to do with me having compassion on people and and wanting them to see them succeed and to have good lives and to make the world a better place right so it, it might seem kind of counterintuitive to to my philosophy but ultimately you know th there, there are things that are going to drive us that aren't going to make logical sense right from a logical perspective Right. I think and I would also say, you know, again, to, to get a, to, maybe I'm getting a little mm -hmm. bit out there in, in the woo woo land, but I believe that there is a divine nature to the universe. I believe that there is a at least a consciousness that that we're all a part of. And I believe that the, the largest manifestation of that consciousness that we that we see is is love. I believe that's the only way you can explain mm -hmm. love. Mm -hmm. And. And I believe that is a, a very high principle that we should have and that we should be seeking to make the world a better place, that we should be seeking towards the direction of love. Again, if I were to define, if I were hard-pressed to, to define evil, I would say it's a lack of love. That's that's how I would define it, you know, okay. even even though it's very subjective, right? But but yeah, that's that's how, how I would define it. And I think there is that element. And, and I can't explain that element with a rational, philosophical, just like, it comes to the same end as me trying to explain where did the universe come from. Well, if I can go to if I go back to Big Bang and say, well, okay, well, yeah, but yeah. where did that that damn particle <laughs> come from, the initial one? And it's like, well, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I can't can't explain. Did God create it? Is there a God? Like, you know, if yeah. if so, God created it, then who created God? And like, you, you, there's no way to to come back to any kind of logical argument. Okay. From, from even the beginning of our, our universe, so I, I can't really come to one as as to why love is important, but it is. And it, because it seems to me that that social justice is founded on a, a, the same principle. They they want fairness. They want justice because they care. Because they are concerned about the lack of love in the world and they can reduce that down to a sociological algorithm and an intersectional uh you know stack of variables of historical oppression and all that stuff so i think you already said it but what is the if if the if it's the same prompt 
to make the world better? Where does it diverge? Where does your where does the bulldog mindset and and the social justice mindset diverge? And if you could, do you think there's a way to take that social justice mindset and just make it a little less woke and more awake in in the direction of of what you think is a is a better uh, way of achieving a, a loving world? Sure. Yeah. So what I would say is that the big difference here is maybe it could equate down to this one simple thing. Do the ends justify the means? And I would say no. The means are just as important as the ends, if not more so. Uh, and, and, I, and I'll say this, mm. if you've ever achieved a goal in life, right? You know, I, I've been running marathons. I train for a marathon and, uh, you know, run a marathon. And you get that medal and you've run that marathon. Is it really about getting the medal? Is it really about that? It's, it's about about the goal it's not about accomplishing running 26 miles it's about the training it's about who you become in the process of achieving that goal and that's mm-hmm. that's what's more important than than the goal right if we become animals in order to create equality we've lost humanity it, it, it's 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 not you know i would rather live in a completely mm-hmm. unequal world where things are completely unfair and 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 to be real the world will always be unfair. One of the greatest principles we can teach young children when they're growing up is that the world is unfair, and that's just how it is. But you know, if, if we could live in a perfectly fair world, yet it would require us to, to be cruel to one another in order to enforce that equality, which we've seen throughout history, right? There, you know, I think a lot of people misunderstand some of the, the bad things that have happened in history. You, know, you take even someone like Hitler, do you think he was really thinking, oh, I'm evil. I'm going to do evil shit. No, he thought he was doing what was good. He thought he was going to create a, a, a perfect race, a perfect society, a utopia. He was a, a trying to achieve a utopia. Now, I completely disagree with his philosophy and his methods, but he, he was self-consistent within his own ideologies. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he was willing to say, he said, you know what? This ends that I have of having this great, you know, whatever, uh, the, the means justify them. And that, that was a mistake. You know, same thing with Stalin, same thing with Pol Pot and, and many of these regimes, although maybe Pol Pot, I would question his his uh, his Sincerity. morals a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. I think that was more huh. of a selfish grab. But but a, but a lot of times in history, this this has happened. And so. I mean, that, that's what I would say is the fundamental difference is that the means don't justify the ends. The means are the thing that's important because my life and my value is about who you become, not what you do. And again, this comes back to the whole definition of success. I would okay. consider myself to be successful in life if I've become the kind of person that I consider to be uh, – to, to have maximized their potential, to be of value, not by accomplishing things, not by having things. Right. And, and, and again, that's mm-hmm. that's where it comes to. And then if you're to take social justice warrior, that that mindset, because I do believe that a lot of people are trying to do good. They, they, they believe that it's good. Not all. Not all. So some people are just angry and they're just bitter and mm-hmm. they've they've been filled with bitterness because other people have told them about how these this injustice is, um, you know. Uh, and again, I would say that justice and love are not necessarily the same thing. But um, but I would say that there's a really good example. There's a guy, what's his name, Daryl, I can't think of his name, but uh, he actually, he's a black guy, musician. He went and he started talking to the KKK. He actually started going to mm-hmm. their meetings and he became friends with like the leader of the KKK. 
and it was a genuine authentic relationship eventually like he ended up having like you know because of him i think 60 to 80 people directly left the kkk and like 200 people left as a result and his whole mm-hmm. thing was to just to have an open genuine dialogue to understand their viewpoints to not judge them and to to have that discussion and when you start you know again you know if if social justice warriors actually want to achieve diversity and inclusion and change people's minds and change people's hearts then the way to do it is by showing people that we're all human which which happens through discourse when i talk to you right when when you see my tweet you might say oh this guy's a racist sexist but i guarantee you if we sit down at a coffee shop and we have a discussion and i, and I talk about my dreams in life and my goals and, mm-hmm. and my mm-hmm. family and, and and you talk about yours we're going to see that we're both humans and that that these labels don't don't apply and that's mm-hmm. that's the answer it, it's not to attack people it's not to shame people it's not to judge people and 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 one of the the biggest problems that you know again you could see this happening today in, in tech right so this whole thing happens this whole thing blows up with social justice warriors and whatnot and you know unfortunately a lot of the people that are causing the ruckus happen to be black women right because those are the ones that are emboldened you know i'm not i'm not saying that this is right or wrong. I'm just saying that this is what, what is, what is happening. These are the most vocal outspoken people or transgender person, right? So these are kind of the, the people that are, are, are the most outspoken that are causing, raising the ruckus, right? So mm-hmm. as a result of all this happening, let's say that you're a white man in tech, right? And you want to hire a developer and you've got qualified, equally qualified developers, but one of them is a, is a white male who has uh, some MAGA hat, profile picture or whatever mm-hmm. one of them is is a black female or transgender person do you what do you think about now do you think you might start to think in your head again not that this is right but this is the the consequence of these things you might in your head gosh if i hire this you know person of color if i hire this transgender person is it going to be trouble for me like are they going to make trouble are they going to like try mm-hmm. and cancel culture people in my office or are they going to start thought policing people you, you see what i'm saying it's like it yeah. it creates the exact problem that they're trying to alleviate right yeah. they're they're making people be closet racist and sexist and reinforcing those beliefs i it's so much better if we have someone if, if someone says you know what i don't really like black people and they they say it on twitter and then people say you know what that's kind of you know, a uh, weird thing to say. Why, why is that? Why don't you really like black people? And then we have a dialogue and they say, Oh, you know, uh, when I was a kid, I lived in this neighborhood and you know, it was uh, slums and, and my dad got beat up all the time and I got beat up going to school and it was all black neighborhood. Then you understand this person. You're mm-hmm. not shaming them. They have these, it's, it's not like it, it's, you know, the, the other alternative again, and I'm not saying that this person's right in having this, you know, prejudice or racism, but but they can't control that. It's not like you just wake up and say, oh, I want to be racist today. It's something that is ingrained in you, right? Mm-hmm. And so shaming a person for that is, is not constructive because if you took the alternative, if, if someone says, you know, if they say on Twitter, no, I don't really like black people. And then you say, oh, you're a horrible person. You're a horrible person. You don't deserve to have a voice. You're not human. Uh, you know, let's cancel you. Let's, you shouldn't work for anyone. You should, you know, you should live on the streets. And, and you try and enact that, do you think that per, that makes that person less racist 
or more racist. It doesn't it doesn't change their they just learn to not say anything, but they think it and they think it more. You know, it's so much better to, for us to, to be, have open dialogue. So if social mm. justice warriors really want to accomplish what they're what they like to accomplish, what has to happen is it has to be open dialogue. We have to start treating people as humans. We can we can't shame and guilt people uh, just because even if they have horrible thoughts, even if they have horrible thoughts, the people that have the most horrible thoughts, those are the people that we need to hear from the most because we need to understand them. And mm. and, and by understanding them, that that's how if, if you want to be understood seek to understand right i think that's dale carnegie i'm not sure but <laughs> but that's that's key. if you start understanding a person like that just like the you know daryl had done with the kkk it doesn't always mean that you're going to change someone's mind but it's the best chance that you have right and and and, and again and and the the higher well, that, principle here is that it's the means the means it's the right way to go yeah. about something yeah that might uh require that you be humble and uh that might not be something you want to you want to do like actually be humble to to understand rather than just be right i mean it's you know it's stronger to be right isn't it I, you know i i don't know I, I i would say that it's 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 not stronger to be right because uh, because it's 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 like this who do you respect more someone who you know maybe you've got a coworker or something that you get into discussion with and you know it doesn't matter what the topic is or what what that they're not ever going to change their mind you're just arguing at a wall or someone who is a logical analytical person and you're like you know what this person is is worthy of having a discussion with because they might not agree with me but if i can logically convince them then they will they have the potential they might not do it but they have the potential to say you know what john you're actually right. I think I'm wrong here. You you made some pretty good points. Yeah, you've changed my mind. That's the person mm. you respect. That's the person you consider to be strong. Not 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 the mm. other person. Not the person who just uh, clamps down on on their on their thoughts. Mm -hmm. So what's the next step for you then? Uh, like surveying the damage that's been done and and I guess figuring out how to produce products in a different way or what what's the next project or how are you going forward? I mean, I'm just going on as business as usual. I've got a blog post coming out this week describing, like, telling what, what's happened and, and calling people to message Pluralsight and let them know that they don't like the fact that they, you know, cowered, uh, cowed down to the, to the mob. Uh, it, that will help, and I think it will hopefully inspire some people to, to, to fight back and not accept these things. You know, mm -hmm. I'll continue on my Bulldog Mindset channel to use this as an example of why the victim mindset is so destructive and why it's so important for you to uh, to be strong. Not not just from the perspective of like, oh, they're doing bad things. Also from my own story as, you know, I can suffer this damage and and not be butthurt about it. I'm, I'm okay. I'll, I'll be fine. I'm just going to move on. It's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's something that's happened. Right. Uh, and I think that's that's a powerful, you know, because I think one of the things that that really scares me about this whole situation is what if this wasn't me? What if this was someone else? Right. Like I can take it even even the financial damage. I can take it. It's not a big deal. You know, I mean, it is a big deal, but it but I can treat it as if it's not a big deal. But suppose mm -hmm. that you're just some some senior developer on Twitter and you got drunk one night and you did what I did. OK, or maybe you're not drunk, but but let's just say that let's let's just say that you got drunk because uh, let, let's absolve a little bit of the responsibility to, to 
to make it uh, this so this person is is more, you know, uh, not deserving of this, right? And so you say some bad things on Twitter, okay, and then the next day, someone comes after your job, right? And you get fired from your job. You get uh, you had like a, a side project. It gets it gets taken off the web. Right. You now have this reputation where no one will hire you in the tech industry because you've got this black mark. You're a racist, sexist asshole. So you can't get a job. You've got a family that you're trying to support. What what happens? Do you like go and and say, well, damn, I lost everything. I guess I'm going to go jump off a bridge. Or do you maybe get a gun and start shooting up other people because of your frustration? Right. Like this is the thing that scares me the most about this is, yeah, hmm. it. I'm glad that it happened to me. Because I can handle this, and I'm not going to do anything crazy about it, and it's not the end of my life. I'm just going to move on. But I think about the people that they do this to where, where you've taken everything from someone, and they don't have the stoic mindset. They don't have the capacity mm-hmm. to handle this situation. Mm-hmm. You're driving people to the edge, and, to the, and, and this is just, you know, just, mm-hmm. just horrible. So anyway – Long story short, I'm just going to move on. I'm going to keep on selling my products. Like I said, uh, you know, I think w- one thing that is redeeming about this whole situation is that most of the tech community doesn't even participate in social media. 90% of developers aren't even on Twitter, right? They're just working regular jobs and mm-hmm. they're on my email list. They're buying my products. My sales have mm-hmm. not gone down at all, you know, so I'll continue to sell those products. I'll I'll self-publish my book. I already have one book that's self-published that I make more money from from the one that was through the publisher anyway. So it'll be their loss on that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and I'll just I'll just move on. So well, the same thing with uh, in in a certain respect with with Evergreen. The amount of negative press that was brought down on the social justice uh, mindset uh, by their acting out, um, and and re- and it was kind of a watershed moment. Maybe I'm overstating it because I'm so close to the situation, but it's a watershed moment to show that things are going in the wrong direction or had already gone too far within that one domain. And the, so the normies get to like be prepared. Um, you know, there 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 yeah. could be a lot of catastrophizing about that but you're in a position because you're speaking to a different audience to actually say okay this is the stuff that's happening you're probably going to see it uh start to act in this way here are some tools to stymie it or to prepare yourself for that yeah and and, and honestly the, the the big thing i don't know what tools there are to to fight this i i could give you tools to prepare yourself for it by saying hmm. you need to build up your inner strength and and to become a stoic and and to not let shit affect you because it's just life it's just an adventure and just shit happens i I can give you that but how do i give you a tool to fight this aside from saying the 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 really sad argument which really you know the only way i can see to fight this is that it's the same way that Hmm. wars are waged where you know you have to have a thousand people charging the line, right? It's like, you know, how do you take over the trench? Mm. You, a lot of people are going to die, right? They're going to have to sacrifice themselves in order to, to do it. So is this a great mm. enough cause where we have to, like, be unified and say, okay, well, we're all going to fight and some of us are going to die. Some of mm-hmm. us are going to get, you know, canceled, but we're all going to come, a, a, you know, come out against this. And really, you know, the only reason why that's worked historically is because of the draft, Right. <laughs> and we wouldn't have like World War Two would be a little bit different without a draft. Right. I mean, uh, you, you think about it. Right. Like you had to 
force people. You had to compel people to, to sacrifice themselves when they don't get any real benefit from it. You can, I mean, you can say, oh, yeah, you're a hero. You're a soldier. You've, you've saved the free world. But in reality, individual basis, sacrificing your life to be one of hundreds of thousand people that were mowed down by a machine gun is not mm -hmm. a value proposition that you would willingly take, right? So it's the same thing here as, as, as I see. And I, mean, I mean, I'm open to suggestions. Do you have a tool that we can use to fight this besides me saying, hey, everyone, we're going to we're just going to you're just going to have to trust me here. Some of you are going to mm -hmm. get uh, your careers destroyed, but we're, we're all going to go fight against this and, and come out against this and speak against this uh, because it, it's, it's not mm -hmm. a very compelling argument to, to say that. Uh, let's go. Let's go run down the machine gun. Well, you, my my ultimate game theory that that I've come up with, uh, just considering it on my own, is that if we establish um, media and relationships that are much more rich and fulfilling than mm -hmm. the alternative, uh, maybe they're in control. Maybe they can write all the op eds and cancel people, but uh, they're actually there's a paucity of of actual human behavior there, and naturally people are just going to want to avoid that kind of miserable existence and put their faith more and more in deeper human contact. Um, so that's kind of like my media, you know, push or like my, the stake, the bet that I'm making is that in the longer term, this kind of dialogue is going to be much more fruitful, much more worthwhile and valuable than the alternative. I hope so. I just don't see a way of bringing about that, that change. Yeah. In fact, a, a lot of the efforts that, that I'm taking, unfortunately have a side effect of creating what, what the left would call an alt-right, right? Because hmm. what ends up happening is, in fact, I don't know if you're familiar with the term MGTOW, men going their own way. Yeah. So it's a direct response to the feminist movement, and it's a horrible movement. It's, it's just as bad as the feminist movement, if not worse, because what it is is it's guys that are, again, and I would equate this with the social justice warrior group, you know, feminist social justice warrior, kind of all this is, is all this same kind of ideology, like a, a neo-Marxist uh, ideology. The problem is, is that these guys have a lot of good grievances against it, just like I have grievances against social justice warriors and, and this kind of ideology. Mm -hmm. But my response to it is to take a balanced approach and to to say let's move forward let's show each other kindness let's have open and civil dialogue some people whose emotional maturity is not of that level their response is to go all the way over to the other side and say we hate those people those are those are the enemy we hate them and they then hmm. do the exact same thing and they claim the victim mindset on the other side they say oh I can't live my life. I can't get married. I can't have a happy life because of women. Women are horrible, right? And that's and that's the what what they do. And it's the same thing, you know, akin to that on social justice warriors is the for all alt right, where we have a lot of really actually racist people who are now really preaching white supremacy and doing this secretly and and forming their own kind of glue to hold each other together, and that's mm -hmm. very dangerous. So. So, so I, I don't know. I mean, it's really hard. Like, there's very little cent centrist, like, enough rational people that we end up having, again, that, that term useful idiots, I think, is, is a great term because we have it on both sides. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't see this 
resolving in a uh, in a good way. <laughs> I see it resolving in a very bad way, as I know, you know, again, I'm very involved in the men's community and I'm trying yes. to pull these guys over from MGTOW. I'm like, look, <laughs> no, yeah. you're doing the wrong thing. This is not the response to feminism that you should have. You should be an ideal, rational person and, and, you know, deal with things, not have the victim mindset. So I'm, I'm trying to pull people away from that, but gosh, all of this on the left is pushing people towards it. And there's yeah. very few. And then they're attacking you. Oh yeah, I, oh, believe me, the, the stuff that the social justice warriors have said and called me, that is nothing compared to, if you look at my YouTube mm. channel, the comments I get from the MGTOW guys that hate my guts. Those guys would, uh, would, would literally tear me to pieces if they got a chance. That, that, that is some vile wow. stuff right there. So it's, huh. you know, and, and I, I was, it's funny cause I was telling one, one woman on, on Twitter, I was like, I'm like. I don't mean to use the word ally in, in the overloaded term that, that you guys use it, but I'm your greatest ally. <laughs> you don't even know it. Like you think I'm the sexist enemy asshole, but the guys that I'm holding at bay, those yeah. are the guys that really hate you. That would really actually do physical violence to you that are hor that, you know, that have a horrible mm -hmm. ideology that is, that is, is sickening. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and I'm actually, you know, I'm actually that's working on your side than, than, than you think. So, Hmm. Yeah. Well, that, that's it's, it's a, a bad situation. I, I, I yeah, that's a skeptical. That's a cynical lay of the land there. Well, I'm not cynical. Not, not, not <laughs> and cynical. I'm an optimist. Word, right. I, yeah. I, I, I consider myself to be an optimist. I just don't see like I've been racking my brain about this since it's happened. I'm like, what can I do? What is the actual effective thing? The only thing I can do is use my platform to speak out against it. Right. Mm -hmm. I think we've got, you know, this is why, you know, I was interested in in what, what you did with, with Evergreen, I feel like I can send people those videos and say, look, this isn't what you think it is. This is what it really is. And when people see that, a lot of people say, oh, wow, I didn't realize what was actually going on. This is the same verb verbiage I've, I've heard that I thought was just, you know, people calling you an asshole. There, there's an agenda here. Um, so, mm -hmm. so that I can see, you know, we have people like Jordan Peterson and, uh, and, and, and some of the the, the good speakers that 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 talk against this that are able to influence mm -hmm. people but unfortunately like i said even that right and, and you said it multiple times in your videos like you're like okay i'm just presenting the facts here i don't want you to hate these people or take action against these people just because of of this and and you even said it as well you said even though i'm i, I hate to even make this disclaimer i remember you saying because even by me making it, it emboldens people more, right, or, or something to that effect. And it's true. It's it's like one of the problems of speaking out mm. against this is that people get enraged and they go far the other way. And now we have just as big of a problem on the other side. And so it's really hard. Like, how do you get people to be rational and moderate and to have like you cannot you cannot mm. beat wisdom into someone. Right. And, and this is essentially the task that must, must happen. Right. On either side, we can't go to social justice warriors and suddenly make them wise by using rational arguments against them because it just makes them mm -hmm. even more emboldened. And and, and again, the, the general yeah. people that we talk to, a lot of times we're trying to do something good and tell them about this. But then we're radicalizing them to what would be called the alt right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Damn. Oh, damn. I wanted to wrap up on a good note, but yeah. I guess there's a lot of work to do. That's a good thing, right? Well, I'll, I'll, here, I'll give you something to wrap up on a good note. I'll say this. The best thing I think that we can do, honestly, is stop 
so much as individuals focusing on all, everything that's going on. It, to some degree, hmm. that might mean that things are going to get worse. But if we start focusing more on developing ourselves, developing our own character, building ourselves, becoming stronger, you know, focusing on what we can control in our lives, which is it's only what we what comes into our brain, what we how we interpret the things. If we can hmm. become better people, then to some degree, maybe there's a hope that if enough people become self-actualized, that it changes the whole world, that there's some breaking point where where we have a tipping point where, where this happens. But even if it doesn't, just as an individual, if you if you you know become stronger, if you develop yourself and your character, then all this shit that's going on doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter because the weapon that that people use to to hurt you is is to is to to have you care, right? And and when you when you care, when you're hurt by these things mm-hmm. that people do that you can't control, then you're 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 giving up your sovereignty, and that that makes your life bad. But if you don't care, if you decide that you're going to focus on yourself and developing yourself and helping the people that you can that you can impact that are around you and being a, a, the kind of person that believes that the means are just as important as the ends, then mm-hmm. you will live a better life and you will make other mm-hmm. people's lives better. And mm-hmm. in, you know, and if enough people do it, then I think there is a tipping point. Hmm. Good. Thank you for that ray of sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, John. I will link all of your things. Um, if you can send me those, uh, I'll link them all in the description and, and okay. Yeah. It's a good conversation. I liked how it went from, uh, the problem into the philosophy and then using, and then going back to the, the problem with your philosophy and, and examining it in that light. Yeah. Yeah. Good. You had some great questions. I mean, this is, <laughs> I like to actually be challenged and, and to have to actually think about this because it, it helps me to understand what is it that I actually, believe 